Hey folks, welcome to episode 225 of the FLW Podcast in Dayton, Tennessee. I'm Jody White, joined, uh, as always, by Kyle Wood. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, Kyle, uh, I thought you were dead. Um, I certainly think that it would be fair if you thought I was dead, because it's been a really long time. I did! <laughs> um, but yeah, Obviously, we're, neither we're of here. us were that concerned, because we didn't voice it to each other that we, you know... I just assumed you were doing Jody stuff, I was doing Kyle stuff, and we're back now. Well, pretty much. Uh, but in the meantime, we've had about a million tournaments, and we're only going to talk so about many. three of them. Yep, we're cherry-picking uh, here. But here's the plan for the show. We're going to talk about tour events, we're going to talk about a Coast FLW Series event on Santee, we're going to hit a couple of news things, and then that's pretty much it. Uh, we will, as the, uh, as the week goes on, probably at registration tomorrow... Um, or the day you're listening to this, knock out some interviews for the podcast to talk mm-hmm. about Chickamauga. Um, maybe do uh, some sort of Chickamauga-type stuff. Maybe also talk with either Beavers or Upshaw about their recent wins, something like that, and uh, see how things shake out. Um, but I guess we should go ahead and just dive right into this. Kyle, what tournament do you want to start with? Well, did we want to like go back over a little bit of Cherokee? Since we missed out on that, I think we should, if only to like just sort of, if only to just dip into it just a bit, because man, that was a super fun tournament. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I had no idea that the fishing was gonna be like that. I had no idea it was gonna be that good. You know, I fully expected to see a lot of smallmouth caught. To see pretty good weights, you know, I thought that time of year we were there, it was a good time, but I don't know if you, if we could ever hit it again as good as we hit it, because, yeah, like, yeah. so many fish were caught, um, and that whole spawning smallmouth up in the rocks thing, like, if you're only just learning about it now, go back, watch, watch video, see exactly what was going on there, because it was amazing, like, I'd... I had never seen anything like that before. A lot of people had never seen anything like that before, I think. And it was kind of fascinating to watch. It really was. And, and you know, like, the the weather was really nice. And if you watch day five, I mean, it was blowing, like, whew. I mean, it was sheeping out of the south uh, and cold. And, you know, Andrew said it in, in there that if we would have had those conditions during the event, like, the catches would have went down substantially. Maybe yeah, not for yeah. everyone, but for the majority of guys doing like what uh, Upshaw was doing, it would have been really difficult. So we did like completely nail that event, and it was super cool to see tons of smallmouth get caught and like the volume of fish that were moving to the bank in like such a small window of us being there. And you know, really, it was like two days, um, just hundreds of fish swimming up almost every couple of minutes it seemed yeah the way like the way one guy could go down the bank and then another guy could go down right behind them and they could all ca- both catch fish was yeah. really <laughs> astounding to me and the way you know the water was like rising throughout the tournament uh mm-hmm. not extremely rapidly but coming up and yeah it seemed yeah. like there was always a smallmouth ready to push its nose even closer to the bank than the last mm-hmm. one and start making a bed and that was a wild um, yeah, yeah. Just like that was nuts. When you and I think about smallmouth, 
and spawning up north, a lot of times they spawn a little bit deeper than largemouth, and they spawn, you know, places where you can see them, whereas there you yep. couldn't really see them. So you could see some of them, not many of them. And they were spawning, like, almost, a lot of times, as shallow as they could get, but just in these little crevices and little protected areas behind the rocks. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting. Now, like... um I'm sure you saw it, and Andrew talked about it a little bit. There were guys that were catching them, like, out a little further. Like, maybe that's where they started spawning. But you mentioned the water was coming up. So, like, if they were on the bank, you know, on Tuesday when guys maybe found them or shook them off or whatever it was, you know, come Friday, well, you could now, like, probably float your boat on top of where those fish were. Yeah, I was... Depending uh, on how big the boulders were. For sure. And I, I was talking... They were also, like dumb as a rock which i didn't necessarily <laughs> expect southern smallmouth to be that dumb i didn't either i was shocked uh but i talked with uh gray buck just yesterday who finished second and we had a lot of uh interesting names in the top 10 which we should probably just mention a little bit andrew upshaw won that tournament by the way um yep. <laughs> but yep. uh he said that you know if he had to do it again he would have just caught every one of them in practice and weighed them and put them back because which is that's like a northern tactic where you catch them and you know exact you pull up to a bed and you know exactly what you're going to get when you roll up on it. Yep. And yep. I that's a that was kind of a shock to me cuz like I guarantee you right now in Chickamauga John Cox is you know looking around looking at fish on beds. There's no way he's catching them and weighing them right. and putting them back. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like yep. that was that was really it, it was kind of stunning. Um that whole the way that whole smallmouth thing developed was so cool and a lot of fun. Yes. Um, out, so outside of Upshaw, uh, who won, it was his first FLW Tour win. Uh, super big deal for him. Um, he had how much weight did he have? Uh, he had sixty-seven ten. Uh, Gray Buck finished second. Dylan Hayes finished third. Hayes caught all largemouth. He was running quite a ways up the river, fishing like one of the creeks off of it. Um, mostly yep. flipping a jig and uh, some may, caught a few on a spinnerbait too. Uh, Jason Reyes finished fourth. Uh, he had 65.11, so there's like some pretty solid proof of how tight the weights were. Andy Young, our boy, made a top 10. Tom Monsor. Uh, Tom Monsor was kind of the odd man out there in that he was catching smallmouths, but instead of <laughs> just bed fishing for them, they were coming on the swimming jig. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They, they, they're eating the swimming jig. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> um, although they did not on the final day. I think no. he, he was in, was he in second or third going into the final day? Yeah, I thought he was up there. Yeah, he was he was in the hunt. Um, and then the last day, he, uh, well, he didn't catch him. Um, but that was, uh, that was a cool derby. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun to see, like, how many northern smallmouth people really caught them and kind of i don't want to say adapted i mean they adapted but it it also must have been some of them just had the confidence that okay i've sort of seen something like this before i'm gonna i can lean into catching smallmouth and not worry about it too much Mm -hmm. um because like you know becker upshaw you know austin felix like those are not those aren't guys who you'd say, oh, well, if they're smallmouth in play on 
the Tennessee River, they're going to be necessarily in play. You know what I mean? But right. they went and they caught smallmouth up there and did really well. Although Austin Felix actually caught a really big largemouth on day one, which was a real big key for him. Yeah, it helped. It helped yeah. Karen do an 11th place finish right outside the top 10. Yep. And uh, also Ron Nelson did great, so love that. Um, should we talk about, before we get to, like, the next tour event, should we talk about, like, AOI and the Cup and stuff like that? Or what's your what's your vibe? You know, we probably should give a... Uh, An AOI update? Yeah, we should give sorts. a... Yeah, we should definitely do that. Yes. Okay. So, currently, Miles Berghoff is in the lead. Um, he's got 887 points. That's uh, 17 points better than Scott Martin, who's in second. And then uh, Joseph Webster's in third with 863, which really... And then uh, Setzer and David Dudley each have 860. Uh, like, really, there's a lot of guys, I would say, still in the hunt for AOI. Mm-hmm. Um if you had to, if I had to guess, I would say it's probably like John Cox. He's got eight fifty seven and up, so like sixth place and up in points are in the hunt with two events left. Would you kind of get that similar vibe, or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, because like, gosh, between these last two events, like even if you him- want to, let's. Let's put it this way. Jeremy Lawyer thinks that Brian Thrift is going to win AOI, that he's going to top 10 these next two events, and he's going to win. And I could see that, right? Like, Well, I could see him top 10 the next two events. Even if he is, let's say even if Thrift finishes second both of these next ones, like he's still got, uh, let's see, 24 points on, so 870 minus 24. That's like, I guess, 45 points or so a gap between like him and Scott Martin. And that's a pretty significant gap to make up in two events, especially when you consider one of them Champlain. And I feel a little, right. I feel a right. little bit bad too, because I am in my head. I'm treating Scott Martin as the angler of the year favorite. And he's not in the lead. Like miles Berghoff is in the lead. He's a rookie. He's having a crazy good year. It's been awesome yep. to watch, but in my head, I'm like, Oh, well Scott Martin's in the lead. Cause <laughs> he's got Martin, and he's got Champlain on the schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't fault you for that, you know, because uh, I think I'm right there with you. It's not, it's not a knock on Miles. It's just like, man, Scott Martin. Like, there's a lot of pressure, and and Miles is like a really laid back dude. You know, like I don't think it's really getting to him. Now I don't know what it'll do. Say he holds. Say Miles holds the lead after Chickamauga, which I'm not entirely sure that'll be the case. Uh, I think that he'll need to catch him to hold the lead after Chickamauga. Like, he'll need another top 20. And that would scare me. And then I think that's where, you know, having a Scott Martin, especially Dudley, not that far back, like, both of those dudes catch him on Champlain. Yeah, both of those dudes are, like, nearly top 10 locks on Champlain. Yeah. And certainly, look – I would bet a lot of money that at least one of them will be in the top ten on Champlain. Oh, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Now, the the interesting thing is, like, Miles really <clears throat> has stressed that a lot of his emphasis on, like, a goal this year is rookie of the year. He wants that ROI title. And He's got that. That's, <laughs> that's like... <laughs> He's no, going to have like, to Sheldon Collings hard 
to yeah, miss that Yeah, that's pretty one. locked. <laughs> yeah, because um, he's got a he's got essentially a, a, more than an eighty point cu- or more than a hundred point cushion on Tyler Wolcott right now, so he should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, so maybe having that, you know, kind of achieved more or less, and I'm sure he's not thinking of it that way, but it might help him, you know, focus a little more on this AOI thing because, I mean, he's definitely like, he's got a good shot. I'm just kind of with you in that with Scott Martin there and Dudley back behind it. and Well, and heck, and Cox. Yeah. Uh, no, no knock on Webster or Setzer either. Uh, who sit third and fourth, but again, like, I mean, those three dudes are going to catch him these next two events. Yeah, Miles has, you know, he's a rookie, and so far he hasn't had a bad event, and yeah, he might not have a bad event. He might have the perfect rookie season, but boy, it's a lot to ask, and if he finishes 45th in this next one, and then 20th at Champlain and doesn't win AOI, it's not going to be any kind of knock on his season or any kind of way to judge him, you know, or to judge his career going forward other than positive. Yeah. You know, yep. it's like, it's great. And I have the whole season I've been like, well, he's due to stumble and he hasn't. So I'm, if I'm wrong again, I mean, like, I'm happy about it because I like the dude. Like, it's fun watching him catch him and. It would be so cool if a rookie won AOI. Like, it'd be legitimately a really neat story. But, man, oh, yeah. the odds yeah. seem long. They do. They do. Um, the uh, As far as, like, the Forest Week Cup goes, or the FLW Cup, we are, uh, I guess we're taking, if you're in the top 42, you're going this year pretty much. Because yep. Rose and Davis aren't fishing the tour. And then... I wanted to scroll up because there was one other guy who was pre-qualified who I didn't have in my uh, in my head, and maybe he's uh, it's Ryan Salzman. Okay, Salzman Salzman's in sixtieth though, so he's not pre-qualified. So right now, I guess it's pretty much just the straight up uh, top. Well, is Thrift pre-qualified? No, because. Um, no. Uh, Kyle Walters uh, beat him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's assume it's just Salzman, and we're and we're right about this. Uh, Jamie Horton sitting in forty third. Austin Wilson's in forty fourth. Uh, Jared McMillan is forty fifth, and then uh, Nixon, Cifuentes, and Schmidt are on the upside of that cut. Um. It, I guess uh, it's gonna be you know a tight race going down there like. All everybody's all stacked up. You've got like Corey Nice, who has a shot at making the cup as a rookie. Jared McMillan, who I'm sure would love to get back. Like you've got, you know, I, Jamie Horton is an interesting one to me because I think he could do really well at Chickamauga because there should be a, quite a few fish on beds. Like I think he'll probably lean into that, but at the same time, I don't really trust him at Champlain. Like I would trust, mm-hmm. you know. Matt Steffen at Champlain to keep catching him. He's sitting in 37th, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's probably, it's going to come down. It's going to be fun at the end there. One thing I like is that Austin Felix is sitting in 59th. Like, he's he's close enough where if he catches him at Champlain like we expect him to, he'll be able to overcome Rayburn. 
I think that'll be... Yep. Well, he'll be able to come overcome Rayburn and blanking at Grand, which <laughs> would be, like, really quite an achievement. Um, and then, I guess if he does that, then probably he'll win and uh, Gagliardi it. <laughs> but, like, he's yeah, got a yeah, shot, probably. you know? Like, he's six. he's got 651 points, and that's... 20, 30, that's like 30 points back of uh, making it. That's nothing. No. So, it's uh, it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be fun. Um, should we talk about Chickamauga while we're still talking about the tour and just save Santee until afterwards? Sure. All right. Well, Keep on the tour train. Yeah, like, why, do, why, do, why not? It's, uh, it's where, it's kind of where it's at right now, I would say. Um, do you, I guess as far as Chick goes, I've been out here now for two days. Uh, Justin came out earlier, did a practice gallery with uh, Braxton Setzer. Um, mm-hmm. What's, uh, from afar anyhow, what's your vibe? Or like, what are some things you're interested in? Maybe I can answer your questions. Um, I guess, uh, to me, I feel like this time of year, on the Tennessee River, it's the when is that offshore? When is that ledge thing going to go down? Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, that can, like, man, when that happens, gosh dang, it can it can happen. Yep. Uh, I. But I guess. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go no, on. no. Roll, roll on, roll on. Well, I was going to say, on the flip side, though, I'm also really curious about this shallow bite because I recall the last time we were there. um, Which was in June. I mean, yeah, there were still guys, like, catching them good up shallow. Yeah. Or even, um, well, yeah, yeah, up shallow. Like, I remember Dudley catching some good ones off of docks, like skipping a wacky rig around docks. Um, it, It was like... That was cool to me because I was like, oh, man, this is like, it's not like a full-on all you have to do is a ledge thing. And we've discussed that on here, how that's, I mean, that's exciting. So, you know, early May. Well, okay, ledges are dumb, yes. Yeah, 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 ledges are dumb. Uh, But this seems kind of fun because, like, well, I mean, if when they get right out there, we've seen it before in numerous events uh, where things can get, get cracking and that's kind of fun to watch dudes just start wearing on them but um i guess what are the odds we see a really good offshore bite would be question one or a ledge bite not even offshore just ledge because i know some of that stuff can be shallower yeah um and then what are the odds we see them like get cracked shallow i think the odds uh, are whether they're spawning or fry garters or whatever i think the odds are close to 100 percent for both of those um which is uh kind of stupid to say um (laughs) but like i can tell you 100 percent there are fish offshore right now um yeah and i can also tell you 100 percent that there are five pounders on beds right now and i because i saw one of them today and i saw the pictures of fish offshore yesterday so uh-huh. There is a lot of variety in play. I I think kind of the vibe I get is that the places where you could catch quantity offshore are limited to like a, 
there are, there are very few places where there's a lot of fish offshore, and most of those few places that where there's a number of fish offshore have small ones. But there are some big ones offshore. Um, okay. I think the probably the majority of the fish, or maybe like about half of the fish at least, are shallow. Um, a lot of them are either on beds or just getting off of them. There's, or even just coming onto them. There's some people. I've heard some rumbles of like actual pre-spawn fish being caught, which would be kind of weird. But like, I was with a lawyer today, and he caught one that it looked super fresh. Like if it had been on the bed, it might have been on it for a day or so. Like it looked huh. in like it was in really good shape. So interesting. It's kind of. It's a weird time. Like, you're right. You know, we talked, we've kind of, you know, kicked it around that it's not a, it's not a normal time to be on the Tennessee River. Like, there's going to be a ton in play. Um, I think we're going to see that. I, the thing that I really wonder about is what it's going to take to, to win. You know, what, what kind of weights are going to be needed? Um, because I'm a little... I don't know, the whole, like, oh, it'll take 25 a day to win, you know, the the idea that we'll crack the century mark, I think that's a little far-fetched. Now, could it happen? Okay. Maybe. But I don't, I don't know I, if I, I get that vibe. You, um, you know, and granted, you need some really extraordinary circumstances for that to happen, no matter what I would, su- I would suppose. But I think the one thing that I think is a possibility... And I wouldn't say for sure it'll happen, but the um, there was a Costa event in 2015 on Kentucky Lake. It was the first week of May, and that one, uh, Tom Reddington won. He had 71 pounds, 13 ounces over three days, and that's not a you know uh, that's not a 100 pound mark kind of derby necessarily but things happen very quickly and yeah there's a chance that we sort of see a similar thing where an offshore bite really quickly becomes a big player um i like we we hear a guy catches a big bag friday because he didn't catch any offshore thursday but went idled some stuff and was like oh baby yeah, like remember yeah, found at, some things and got after. Remember it. at Pickwick the year Haynes got disqualified. Yep. Well, he found he found them that that day. And yes, yes, you're right. And like, there's a chance that something like that happens. I, again, it's chance though. It, I think it's much more likely that. I, well, I won't say how... I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know what the most likely thing is that somebody wins on. Like, if it's offshore, if it's shallow. Like, honestly, I could flip a coin on that front. But I think that hmm. you could... I, I feel like someone could do well... Like, I feel like the most likely route to a check is to fish shallow. Or sort of intermediate. You know, not really ledge fishing. Not really fishing for ones that you mark. Um, but I could be mark on your graph, but I, I could be wrong. You know what I mean? I think that, oh, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what the right, uh, thing to do is going into this one. Hmm. Okay. Um, but 
we might see we might it might be day one and Buddy Gross might come in with 29 pounds and he caught them all off the bank and like I'd be like all right well that was gonna happen <laughs> um, hey I'll tell you one question I do have and I feel like Ryan Salzman touched on this in your um, practice wrap-up video mm-hmm. but compared to because I know like Kentucky Lake right there's like no fish well, now there's no fish, but there's no vegetation. When the water's not in the bushes, like, those fish do their thing, and boom, they want to get out. They want to yeah. be back to where, like, stuff is they can live by. Is it the same principle on Chickamauga, despite there being, like, more shallow cover mm. that's bassy that they would want to stick around? Or is that just the nature of Tennessee River bass to just, I got to get out in some current mm. or something? Well... I'm not the right person to ask, but I would say it's a little bit of both because... Well, I guess I was wondering if you'd yeah. heard that from anyone. And I, I, what I'll maybe do, that's a good thing to ask tomorrow. Yeah, what, what I'll do is I'll ask folks tomorrow, today, etc., and we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. I would say I that like on Chickamauga, it's not like Kentucky Lake because it, it does have more grass, although it doesn't have a ton of grass that's really up and like lush and beautiful looking, but it's got grass. Sure. It's also got way more docks that are made out of wood, like... They have mm-hmm. a significant amount of space underneath them, around them. Like, they're really good. It's got way more laydowns in the water. Yeah, a like, lot of wood, yeah. Kentucky Lake doesn't really have much wood in the water unless it's in the bushes. And Chickamauga has a ton of laydowns and stuff in the water. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to look at this uh, gallery I did with Jeremy Lawyer this morning. and Like, he literally... Could pull in and flip a laydown in about every pocket he pulled into. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yep. like, there's plenty of that to fish. And I think the fish will get around some of that stuff and hang around some of that stuff. And I I think that on this lake, they're much more apt to stay a little shallower. Um, especially because the ledge fishing is... On, the, on this lake, it's not quite like Kentucky Lake, where, you know, from New Johnsonville, let's say Danville to the dam there's really great ledge fishing or used to be and Mm -hmm. here that's more concentrated in that lower end of the lake and even some of that is much more in bays and places like that where it's more of an offshore thing than let's say a ledge thing if that makes sense like oh yeah yep to me like so much of kentucky lake revolves around the the current and the points and or the current in the main river and so much, of, and a lot of Chickamauga, like Harrison Bay, uh, Chester Frost, those bays really don't have much current in them. And they've got yep. much more almost northern kind of offshore fishing where, sure, you still graph over them and look at them and they show up as little dots on your, on your electronics. But it's like a legit point <laughs> or... And not yeah. like a place where a creek channel empties into the main river or something. So... I think it's a little different. Um, and I think that just sort of gives us, it gives guys more opportunities. Also, final thing I want to bring up is what about the potential for Watts Bar? I know. Uh, I know it, a few guys have gone up there. Um, it's a run. I know there's barge traffic. There's a lot of factors. But, I mean, it's got a good population of four and five pounders that live in it. Yeah, it's a good lake. Um, Chickamauga is better, uh, you know, is, well, uh, is one it thing. Is. 
Um, I don't know. Like, I think that there'll be some checks cash there. And you talk with Brad, like, you might even be better positioned to answer this. And I think that there'll be... I wouldn't be surprised if a guy or two makes a cut out of there. But, man, I have a hard time seeing somebody winning from up there. Maybe we'll, well, find, maybe we'll be wrong, but I, it just, I, I didn't uh, know if it'd be different tricky. this time around uh, or earlier. Um, because the thing with, like, Chickamauga, especially in June when we've been there before, is, like, the lake is really small. I mean, it's, whatever, 58 miles long from dam to dam. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're offshore, there's not a whole lot of it. So you get the guys get really stacked up. They kind of cannibalize themselves. Uh, that time of year, it seems like a Watts bar can be, you know, maybe a good call. Now, we haven't really seen that before. I guess Knight uh, got locked out on day three the last time. Was that the last time we were there? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was day three. Um yeah, and you know we only had a hundred and we had just under a hundred and fifty pros um, that when we were there in uh, twenty fifteen, uh, but right. that was June and there were co anglers then, um, so that is true. That 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 does peel away quite a few extra fish, and I think it being June that tends to concentrate the locations of you know you know the productive stretches of the lake even more like. Sure, sure. Did anyone make the cut out of there who was fishing north of, you know, Hiawassee, like, at all? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Except except night, you know what I mean? Like, I guess, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I would much more lean toward, um, I would much more lean toward Chickamauga, I think. I think the conditions are better for... Chickamauga to do well this time around. Well, and I agree. Like, also fishing a lot of this stuff on on Chickamauga, I mean, the potential is always there for like a seven plus pounder. Yeah. Where I think when you, you go to Watts Bar, you kinda, caught? yeah, like you you handicap yourself slightly by going to Watts Bar in that like a six pounder would be a real good one. Not that there aren't giants up there, but the quantity of them sure isn't anywhere near what it is in Chickamauga. Now, I, you could actually catch a really big smallmouth yeah. in Watts Bar. There's some great big smallmouths in there, like eight pounders. Yeah, Brad Knight caught one on an umbrella rig once. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so yeah, Watts Bar last time, Brad caught, he caught 22-9 day one, 14-13 on day two, and then zippity doo on day three. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and granted, I think he ran out of gas on day three. So like he might have actually caught some fish in Chickamauga, but then ran out and could get, ran out of gas and couldn't get back to like his whole his whole day three was a mess. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even that, like honestly, twenty two and fourteen, like that might have been about as good as you could have done. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. he could have done a little better because Charlie Ingram um, actually fished up there too, and he caught twenty and then nineteen and then fourteen. And didn't make the cut. Um, there's mm-hmm. about an 80-boat tournament going out of Chester Frost on Saturday, too. Which, if there if there is a ledge fishing bite, and if guys catch them on ledges, it's a pretty good chance that, let's say you're Alex Davis and you're blazing on down the lake Saturday, it's 
pretty good chance you're going to blaze down to a spot that's had somebody fishing on it for about half an hour. Yeah. So that has a chance to really impact ledge anglers more than, uh, let's say, John Cox blazing on down the lake on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I, can, I can hear that. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to follow and to see sort of what wins out because I don't think, like, we've had a lot of tournaments on Kentucky Lake where you know exactly what's going to happen, and this is not that. Yeah, and it's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely pumped to see what transpires. For sure. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Man, uh, I don't know. I feel like... Uh, ooh. I think it might be Alex Davis. Just saying. Who? Alex Davis. Yeah, I was going to throw Alex Davis out there because I like that... Uh, I feel like Alex is one of those guys... Uh, now, I know, like, Buddy Gross also has spent a lot of time here, but Alex, I think, has spent a lot of time and kind of understands, like, the shallow, deep thing. Yeah, he just showed me um, some pictures that got me excited. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, But, like, I could see Cox catching him real good. Oh, yeah, I could, I see, could totally see. I could see Douglas catching him really good. Yeah. Uh, I could, man, they're... That's kind of why I think this one is fun because it's not like a, a Kentucky Lake ledge thing. Okay, everyone just look at Randy Haynes, Jason Lambert kind of a deal. You know, and then we're right most of the time. Yeah. No, it's kind of easy, um, you know, when you're on Kentucky Lake and you've got just the guys who can just plug in, you know. And yeah. you can't just plug guys in for this lake this time of year right now. Uh, except I bet, maybe like, I bet Brad Knight will catch him real good. Yeah. I think Brad and Buddy will both catch him. Um, yeah. Like, almost for sure. Because uh, Brad pretty much always catches him on Chickamauga. Um, he hasn't really threatened to win yet on Chickamauga. He might be due. Um, especially if that shallow bite's rolling. I think that would be... Yeah. I think that would be really ideal for him. Um, but, dude, it's going to be fun. Um, you want to uh, end this with a little Santee action for me? Sure. Yeah, this past uh, weekend, I guess, uh, we had the final Southeastern Division event of the season for the Coast FLW Series. Uh, it was short and only two days. They fished Thursday. Friday was canceled due to high winds. Uh, so then the full field fished again on Saturday. Uh, Bradford Beavers won that one. Dang, I've heard of Which, him. Which, yeah, dude's pretty good. Um, well, he's pretty good like a lot of places. Santee, I mean, that's his home. That's his juice. He usually does well there. Uh, he finally got a win uh, in a big-level tournament. Um, he caught 31 pounds, two ounces on day one. Boom. Threw it down right out the gate, crushing it. Uh, had a five-pound lead, went into the final day. Um he caught, oh, man, now I closed out of my, it was like 20-something. 20 23 pounds, 7 ounces. Yeah, so still really good, but Dutes caught him pretty good on day two. So that cushion he had on day one really helped him out. Uh, he wound up winning by like 4 pounds uh, over Lex Costas, who if you've uh, paid attention to any Santee Cooper tournaments, you'd also be like, hey, that guy's really good, and you'd be right. 
Coast was uh, really well, realistically, the top ten was like pretty stacked. Thrift made a top ten, though he finished ninth, which was lower than I thought he would. Um, yeah, it was just big, uh, pretty good event all around. Like fifty-four nine was Beaver's winning weight. Fifty pounds was second place. Uh, tenth place was forty pounds. So, you know, for two days, pretty stout. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I like that. It, ter- I like get- that lake a lot. It's super cool. It gets interesting because if you're saying to yourself, well, Kyle, how do beavers catch his fish? I'm, well, he lied a little bit. When you say uh, a little bit, do you mean like a medium amount or a little amount or like maybe <laughs> just entirely made stuff up? Uh, maybe just entirely made stuff up. Okay. Uh, I was just checking. The thing is, <laughs> I don't think we – well, we did have a camera boat find him on the final day, and then I think he was like, hey, don't take any pictures of what I'm doing. But Bradford Beavers, you and I like him an extraordinary amount for how much he does not want to tell people how he's catching his fish. For for how difficult, yeah. Yeah, which (laughs) does not make sense. So he's done something (laughs) that has captured our attention. But because most of the time when somebody doesn't want to tell me how they caught their fish, I'm like, well, I just hope they don't catch any more and go on with my life. And for some reason, I maintain an interest and, like, I want to see Bradford Beavers do well. So we're just going to have yep. to have a tour event on Santee and put him on live. Mm-hmm. He would yeah. hate that. <laughs> oh, gosh. he would. Yeah, he would probably, like, opt not to fish. Yeah, gosh. Uh, just to avoid that. Uh, but I guess, really, uh, the whole top ten was pretty much dominated by doing something with a Yamamoto Sanko. Whether it was wacky rigged, whether it was some guys flipped one around uh, the base of the cypress trees, there were a lot of fish spawning, and there was also a shad spawn. Like that was kind of really well, and there were some fish post spawn and some fish pre spawn. So there was a whole lot of stuff going on. But a lot of guys got right catching spawning fish on day one because the conditions really nice. It was like sunny, warm, not a lot of wind, um, and then the wind blew obviously on day two and day three. Things had kind of changed, but. Uh, beavers used a Senko, wacky rig, uh, skipping around trees where fish were spawning, supposedly. Uh, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying what Sean got out of beavers. I mean, he probably, there's a pretty good chance he was fishing around cypress trees. I, because yeah, there and, are many of them in the lake. <laughs> they are plentiful. Um, he also threw uh, a quarter ounce eye strike Texaside jig. Uh, with a Kitech swing impact fat on it. Uh, that was for like a shad spawn deal he did in the morning. Kind of a cool looking jig uh, if you've never seen it. Um, you should check it out because it looks fun. I'm not saying I'm going to buy any, but it looks cool. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, that was about it. All right. On the AOI side of things, uh, this was the final tournament in the Southeastern Division. Um, Cody Nichols won. He had 736 points, beating out Brian Thrift. Um, yeah. Next, uh, Cody says he's going to fish a tour next year, uh, which is cool. Um, cool. He'll be a rookie. Uh, the top five qualify for the tour with invites possibly extended to the top ten. Basically, de- un- until and then after that, it would default toward FLW tour guys. Uh, so Brian Thrift and Jason Abram are both in the top five, so they're on tour already. They won't be a problem, so it'll extend at least to seventh 
uh, that would put Brian New fishing on the tour. Yeah. Um, which gonna bring that up. he's going to do now. He's got the money after winning that ABA deal. Um, he's So definitely, I would say welcome Cody Nichols, welcome Brian New to the FLW Tour. Maybe, depending on who accepts their invites, et cetera, et cetera, maybe welcome Nick T to tour. He finished Ooh. ninth in points. I think there's a pretty decent shot that he gets in. Um, because be I don't sweet. know exactly with Thrift and Abram in there already, and not knowing exactly what the uh, what everyone else's thoughts and opinions are taken to the tour are. I think there's a chance he gets in. I love it. Um, which would be awesome. That would be a really fun uh, rookie class from the Southeastern Division for sure. No doubt. Um, anyhow, that was that was what I wanted to make mention of, and we'll have a write up on Cody Nichols' uh, whole season here. Uh, shortly, he did really well at Chickamauga, um, but obviously did really well throughout the entire season because he won AOI. Yeah, naturally. Um, anyhow, that's uh, that's what I got for you, man. Well, cool. I think that uh, shuts the door on Santee. Okay. Uh, we got some like news or something. Yeah, we got some news. So we've got some uh, kayak derbies coming up. One of them almost is pretty much imminent, and then we've uh, got a couple uh, more countries in. FW International. Um, I feel like you like are pretty dialed in on both of these. Do you want to just like take the wheel? Because you were talking about them and looking up stuff, and I was like kind of, I don't know, thinking about Jeremy Lawyer or Chickamauga or something like that. Yeah, so this uh, May 4th and 5th, this coming weekend, May 4th, 5th, 2019, is the FLW KBF, which is the Kayak Bass Fishing, uh, I guess, Just that, I think, yeah. Yeah, kayak bass fishing. Uh, they have an open event uh, on Nickajack. So this is like going on same time as the tour. However, it's on Nickajack, which the tour guys can't fish. So there it is. Uh, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't really know. I know you can sign up for it. We you think go... you might be still able to sign <laughs> up for it literally right now. We we think, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're fairly certain you can sign up. Uh, still, it's kayakbassfishing.com uh, forward slash flw. Uh, you can get a link there. Um, it looks pretty simple. Once you click on the thing to sign up, uh, you just got to register. You got to have a membership. Uh, it's a two day event. Um, there are seventy six people in it currently. Uh, gosh, what else? So the top 100 competitors in this event will qualify to compete at the 2019-FLW-KBF Cup, which is held in conjunction with the FLW Cup this August. So uh, pretty much like, you know, get in. You got a pretty good chance of fishing, qualifying for the Cup, uh, which I think pays out pretty good. I think this one's $200 to enter, this Open. Uh Honestly, I wish I knew more about it. Like, how much can you win? Uh, I don't know. It's like uh, $500 daily overall, daily and overall cash prizes. Uh, or is that the side pot? See, I don't know what this is. Hey, I have an update from Instagram. Ooh, hook me up. Kurt Mitchell caught a 10-pounder. Dude, they're just That's they're flying That's two 10-pounders in practice. Uh... But yeah, on the kayak thing, if you really want to know more and you really want to fish it, 
I just recommend going to the website because I like horsepower a lot, and I don't probably pay as much attention to the kayak bass fishing thing as I should. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I really have uh, on that note. I uh, should don't, be cool. I don't really. I expect like, we'll have something on our website about it. Yeah, I don't really like fishing out of kayaks very much um, because they're kind of annoying, and I like having a lot of rods in the front deck and trolling motors and stuff. Um, but I am like really high on there being tournaments for kayaks because man people seem to like them and i want to give the people what they want um and uh, i'm like interested to learn more about how people catch fish out of kayaks um not because i haven't caught fish out of kayaks i have but just because you know it's kind of interesting to compare and contrast a little bit um i uh yeah don't think i want to see brian thrift fishing out of a kayak i'd rather see him just doing his thing but i maybe someday we will probably not he wouldn't but want to maybe. do that much work i think you can win some pretty good money i wish i would have looked this up a little more before we started recording you can but, uh, you can definitely win some pretty good money dude i think one of their tournaments uh pays out like a hundred thousand that's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot. But I'm glad you said that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Eric Jackson told that to some guys at Cherokee. Okay. Well, obviously, you're getting your information from an ironclad source there. Yeah. I think yeah. I heard <laughs> Eric Jackson say this. <laughs> uh, uh, I like it. I mean, if, if you guys really want to know, uh, send us an email, podcast at FLWFishing.com. Boom. We'll learn about it for you. Or yeah. tell us about it. Yeah, or, or give us the information. That'd be even better. Uh, the other piece of uh, housekeeping news, uh, like Jody said, two new international divisions. Uh, they're both going to operate under the FLW South Africa uh, like umbrella, but we have Zimbabwe and Namibia. So there you go. Expect to see some guys being represented from there uh, at the Coast FLW Series well, Championship. Yeah. Uh, Namibia uh, is on the west coast of Africa. It's uh, to the sort of northwest of South Africa, South Africa being the far southern tip of Africa. Zimbabwe is sure. a landlocked country. Uh, it's on sort of the northeast side of South Africa. Both of them border uh south africa ah gotcha um, um there was a oh, great zimbabwe quote will in send there. should we can i make fun of uh the dude who gave the quote Jeez. sure okay um let's see let me make sure i get his name right uh clint skinner says zimbabwe may be small and struggling in many ways but our anglers can beat all comers um anyhow clint let's see you try <laughs> Because I got my money on Brian Thrift. Anyway, Clint, love you. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. I hope you guys crush. Uh, Michael Matee going yeah. down. <laughs> Brian Thrift, probably not. Watch, watch your back. Uh, Zimbabwe is also going to run some high school fishing events, and they're going to send a team uh, here to the 2019 FLW TBF High School Fishing World Final. So, okay, uh, big time. Real big cool. time. Cool, cool. Cool. Well, Kyle, I've appreciated and your updates. Yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say. Awesome. 
Uh, I guess that being the case, let's go ahead. Let's fo- let folks, uh, you know, go about their days. Um, listen to other podcasts, that sort of thing. Or listen to this one again. Um, Kyle, you are uh, at Kyle Lumber on Instagram. I'm at Jody Blanco. FLW is FLW or FLW Fishing, just about wherever you want. Um, day five is up from Cherokee. There's all kinds of other good stuff. Um, and you can email us too, correct? You can. Podcast at FLWFishing.com. You can yell at us. You can say, hey, you can ask, ask us a question. You can give us information on things that you're like, mm, these guys don't know what they're talking about. We'd love to hear it. I uh, like the sound of all that. Um, we're going to have some interviews on the next uh, sort of episode for you uh, to talk a little Chickamauga, uh, maybe a little Cherokee even, a little Santee even. Um, sure, sure. But uh, are you going to be in and around next week? Are we going to actually have like two weeks in a row of doing podcasts? Dude, we're actually going to have two weeks in a row of doing podcasts. All right. Well, I've got a dentist appointment next week, but I should be able to work around it. And we're going to do this thing. Baller. All right. Kyle, it was a pleasure talking with you. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you shortly. See you.